Welcome to MBA Podcaster, the only broadcast source for cutting-edge information and advice on the MBA application process. I'm Janet Nakano. Going back to graduate school after years on the job isn't easy. All too soon, you'll be listening to lectures again, doing homework, studying for exams, and on top of that, you'll have to juggle all sorts of campus activities while looking for your next big internship. In this program, we'll give you tips on how to navigate through your first year successfully, from refreshing your quantitative skills to preparing for tests. We'll talk to an author of a guide on business school, a professor, and a career management director, both from top MBA programs. Think you're ready to take on the core quantitative courses that you'll face your first year? Peter Regan is a professor at the Tuck School of Business. He says a lot of students probably are adequately prepared, but it might not be a bad idea to take a diagnostic test. Or, he says, you can see which of these groups you fall into. The most neediest group would be complete career switchers who are admitted into a top MBA program because of their leadership potential and the excellence that they've shown in the area that they are currently involved in, which is, say, outside of business. So that kind of group would need to get some kind of a quantitative boost so that they're ready to sit in class with people who have had a more traditional path to business school, including some quantitative either engineering or business background as an undergrad and then some business-related internship or sequence of positions in their early professional life. So when they, those students come back to school, they may not need very much preparation. In fact, many of them may need none. So you've got the career switchers at the bottom, so to speak, of the quantitative spectrum, and they need a lot of help. And then you've got some people who know they don't need any help because this is an extension of what they've been doing. And then there's people in the middle who may have needs in one area but not in others. Regan also offers an online math refresher course called MBA Math. Several business schools already provide his course to incoming students, but anyone can access the program for just $99. The course covers several different areas. Uh, first, there's an accounting module, a financial math module, other modules cover statistics, microeconomics, and basics of Excel. And the idea of the course is to try to spread it out and make sure that the quantitative mechanics that we know students get bogged down in are covered, not the advanced topics, but the basic topics, so that they have a basic familiarity with the material that will be the foundation of each of their first-year courses. And with these foundations and basic skills under their belts, they can then focus more on the managerial relevance or the cases, the aspects of the course that is really the main part of the first-year experience for the students and from the professor's perspective. For more information on Regan's online course, visit mbamath.com. If you know you'll do better in a live class, Regan says just make sure the course covers math that's relevant to an MBA. There are some places, and you can check with your school and try to get some recommendations. There are courses live as an extension program, say I know of some in the UCLA area and also in different cities around the country at a community college or a state school or another local school that serves incoming business students. The difficulty that I've heard is that people either don't have a schedule that allows them to regularly attend or they find that it's a course, say, on statistics or accounting or finance, but it's not MBA-oriented and that the coverage that they have there isn't necessarily the same as that they would need to use their time wisely to prepare for an MBA program. And so if you have people going in either more technical jobs, then maybe the material would be more technical than they need, or it could happen on the other side. It could be more conversational, learning about something and not learning how to get the kind of answers you'll need in your MBA curriculum. 
So I would advise students to rely on what their MBA program offices tell them, check with other students, and also consider whether something like MBA math or specifically MBA math would be good for them by taking a look at the website. Preparing your quantitative skills before arriving on campus will help you have a smoother experience in business school. But if you do need the help, the resources are there, says Regan. The top schools for sure and probably at all schools, there are support resources, academic support groups that will set students up with second-year tutors, help them with general study skills, with specific tutoring in a given area, and also the professors are accessible through office hours to help and there's generally course assistance in the first year core courses. So there's a whole structured set of resources available to students. The big difficulty with that is simply the lack of time as the first year progresses. You can't possibly go see a tutor, go to every study session, go to every office hour. There's just too much happening in the first year. So what we try to do before students arrive is get them informed as much as possible about what the expectations will be so that they can plan accordingly and come reasonably prepared. Catherine Laux is author of a book called Business School Confidential, a complete guide to the business school experience by students for students. Laux graduated from Northwestern University's Kellogg Graduate School of Management. She says one of the best ways to navigate through your first year on campus is to find a second year who can be your mentor and truly a mentor because there are many programs set up where you get assigned a second year to help you you know, get used to the school, but truly find a friend who's going to give you the skinny on not only balancing your activities, but also organizations you want to be a part of if you want to do X after you graduate. I watched a friend do that, and it really benefited him, whether it was with job interviews or getting the right classes or learning, learning how to study correctly. Really, I, I saw that it helped him a lot. So that would be one piece of advice I would give. Find a second year who's really going to take the time, who's a friend as well as an assigned mentor. As soon as you hit campus, you'll hardly have a moment to yourself, says Laux. That's why her advice is to take on less than you think you can handle. Everyone who goes to business school is motivated. I mean, for the most part, you're motivated. You're, you excel. You're there for a purpose. You're probably paying your own way if you didn't for undergraduate school as well. That said, when you start, I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make is joining everything. You know, you get there and, you're, and maybe you think you know what you want to do when you graduate. And so you join the private equity group, the venture capital group, all the finance groups, and now you find yourself strung out because you're the secretary in one, the treasurer in another, and you're planning an event for the third one. I mean, Outside of your academics, these are important activities. I mean, they're much more important than I felt like they were in undergraduate school in the sense that it helps your resume. It helps you learn and make connections. It helps you make inter- get introductions to people in the industry, keep, stay on top of what's going on in the industries. So they're really important in that regard. But at the same time, if you spread yourself so thin, everything starts to suffer. And there's this kind of madness when you first start of, like, all these groups are inviting you to all these different things, and you feel like you have to go to everything. And, and I would say pick some and go to the events, but don't necessarily join everything. 
and don't necessarily take a leading role in everything. And this is where also talking to a second year is really going to be helpful and say, okay, this is what I want to do when I get out of here. This is what I think I want to do because a lot of people change their minds. Which groups are the best to join or are going to be the most influential, the most helpful, whatever, because they all have different names. And when you first get there, you don't know which group has been around for longer or which group has better um, relationships in the industry. And I would just say feel it out for like the first semester. And you're going to feel like you're falling behind because all these other people have joined everything. And, and I wouldn't say don't join anything, but I would stress not to become overly involved to the point of, you know, insanity. Networking is the buzzword in business school, no doubt. Not only will you attend networking events on campus, you'll network among your classmates and probably even talk about it in class. Again, Catherine Lauks. I was in an organizational behavior class and the professor had talked about the need for networking and a theory called pruning, which means that if you know the two people who know someone more senior, you don't actually need to know those two people. You could prune one, know one of them, and they can get you access to the, th- the more senior person. And it really kind of sounds very harsh because you're really kind of trying to be very efficient about your business relationships rather than having a personal relationship with these people as well. And one guy raised his hand and he said, yeah, oh, yeah, that's exactly how it is. If you don't play the game and you don't, play into the hands of your seniors and understand who's important to talk to and who's not, then you're going to lose out because that's the way it is. And then this other woman raised her hand and said, well, I don't think it's like that. From my experience, it hasn't been like that at all. She said basically that it was a meritocracy. And I kind of was raised my hand and was like, look, the game exists. Whether you want to participate or not, that's your choice. And I think it's kind of gross. But it's out there. And if you want to truly accelerate within organizations faster, it probably would help you to play. That said, if you don't want to play it, you don't have to. At graduate school, a lot of these people are going to be really influential people, especially if you go to a top-tier school. And if you know what you want to do or you think you know what you want to do and you belong to certain clubs, you will get to know and you will learn you become friendly with people who will be influential and may be able to help your career later, and you, vice versa. You can help them. And then I think there's also a level of needing to learn it as a skill. One is the specific people that you meet, but two is also learning how to do it. Because if you're so obvious about the fact that you're networking, it, it, it becomes a detractor rather than something that's helpful. You have to learn how to be social and make relationships without being so obvious as to convey, I'm only being your friend or only talking to you right now because I want a job from you. Regina Resnick is Assistant Dean of MBA Career Services at Columbia Business School. She says the road to landing a great job after graduation starts way before you get to school. We have them do a lot of work in what we'll call preterm. So before they come to campus, we have them already thinking about what it is that's really critically important to them when they think about their career and not just the career in the near term, but over the long term. Once they come to campus and our students come in mid-August, they start meeting recruiters for recruiting purposes um, at the end of September. There are some recruiters who are involved in our orientation, but at that point they're not engaged in discussions related to recruiting. And during that month we have events where, for example, we have a day in the life of an investment bank, we have a management consulting forum, and at each of those events alumni from probably over 20 companies for both of those industries uh, will be on campus providing a perspective on 
you know, what these industries are like from a content standpoint. Internships in business school are considered to be one of the best ways to get your foot in the door of an industry or even a company you've been eyeing. But the hiring process can be viciously competitive and you can probably understand why. Internships often turn into job offers, says Resnick. What the internship does is it gives them a chance to really understand in depth a little bit more what a corporate culture is all about, what a job function is about. And it's an important time, it's an important part of their career education, in essence. It can also, depending on which company, which industry you're going into, that's often the platform for hiring students uh, for a full-time position. So that it's, in essence, a really extended interview. It's a 10-week interview. And it's an interview, I think, that's important for students to know that this is their chance also to explore. It's not just about the company assessing them. It's, again, a part of their self-assessment of, is this the right industry for me? Is this the right function for me? Is this the right corporate culture for me? And then when they come back in the second year to make sure that they spend, again, enough time thinking about if, yes, all of those things worked for me, I, you know, I'm even prepared to accept a job if I get an offer from this company. That's great. They may not be searching in the second year. But it can also be equally great, you know, if they decide, you know what, I thought I was really going to love this industry, but that wasn't right for me, or loved the industry, but I'm more interested in a different functional area, or loved both the industry and function, but this particular company just it wasn't the right fit culturally for whatever reason. And so the, all of that goes into then informing their second year search. Choosing good professors for classes your first year is another smart tip for students, says Catherine Laux. And it's another good reason why you'd want to hook up with a second-year mentor early on to give you the lowdown on all the courses. And in class, Laux says, be prepared for a lot of cold calling. And cold calling is just a professor calling on you out of the blue whether you raised your hand or not. And, you know, at first, I think there are people who are intimidated by that and Really, after you go through a class or two of that, you find that it's actually really beneficial. I mean, it really keeps everybody engaged, keeps you on your toes, makes you do your work. And Laux says forming good study groups is key to managing your class assignments. When you're in business school, you do a lot of working groups. And it varies from class to class, whether they're assigned or you get to choose them. But I would say either way, it was really helpful to form study groups if your professor does not require them for the class, it was on an ongoing basis it was helpful to have a study group, especially in preparing for exams. And that's primarily because you don't work in a vacuum in the business world. You work with other people. And in the business world, you have a lot of different opinions and you have a lot of different information to manage and people to manage. And that's one of the reasons why business school stresses the use of groups and in preparing for exams, the same thing. People are going to have different perspectives, and they're going to bring up things that you haven't thought of. Active participation in class is what business school professors want. But for those who love to speak up, Lauk says don't go overboard. There is a wide span of personalities, and it's just act with humility, comment, and then be involved on a regular basis, but don't try to dominate your classmates. And, and really, there's almost like a subtle blacklist of people who, who get excluded from groups. You can quickly create a reputation of trying to be dominating and too full of yourself and get get excluded from good groups. And good groups are really important in some classes. So I would just say be cognizant of how you come across to other people 
and then always be prepared for class, especially in those cold calling situations. I mean, it's just so silly not to do your reading or not do the homework. It makes a bad impression on your professor, and it also you're not going to pay attention in class. Prepare for classes, boost your quantitative skills, network, get an internship, and find a mentor. Your first year in business school will be an intense one. So Lauk says you can also get prepared to be exhausted. I think it's helpful to、uh, take a little vacation between your job and starting school. We we kind of stress that. Take a break. Don't go directly from your job because it is intensive. I mean that you forget that, especially graduate school is all consuming. It's your it it is every waking moment. I mean, I would have group meetings at 11 p.m. Not to say that that it's you know. Every waking minute is spent dragging yourself to, from class to meeting. It's more fun than that. You know, it's more enjoyable. So, but it is all-consuming, and there is a lot of work, and it is really, truly your whole life. For more information, advice, and to register for your weekly MBA podcast, visit mbapodcaster.com. I'm Janet Nakano, and this is MBA Podcaster. Thanks for listening. And next time, we'll look into the GMAT not required policy at some top executive MBA programs.